Women's Health Melbourne is an innovative, holistic fertility and women's health practice. We are world leaders in IVF and egg freezing and provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our hand-picked expert team provides the ultimate care experience for our patients. Reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and follow us at Women's Health Melbourne and at Dr Rayleigh Alou. episode we're welcoming Kath Bequee, physio for women and founder of Fitness Mama, who is with us today to speak about exercise for fertility, for pregnancy and after baby. Thank you very much Geordie and Raylia. It's lovely to be here. Kath, we like to start off by asking our guests to tell us about how they got to where they are today. Um, yeah, love that question because it's never a straight a path, you know, straight and narrow path, is it? It's always goes around and bends. So um, right from the get-go at university, I loved women's health and I did all my electives in women's health and right as a new grad, I always worked in a women's health clinic doing Pilates and all the rest, just loved it. But you know how life goes, I ended up doing quite a lot of general physio in hospitals and different private practices and in neuro rehab. And then eventually I decided still, yeah, I decided no, no more part-time women's health, time to get fully into it. So that's when I did my postgraduate training in pelvic floor rehab and yeah, the rest is history. So I did start off um, when I was pregnant with my second, I I really, my first pregnancy was amazing in terms of fit and active, no aches and pains or anything like that. But then during my second pregnancy, I really struggled with pelvic girdle pain. And that was what was a real spark in me in terms of, I I found it really hard. I was a physio and I worked in a women's health clinic and I had access to all the help in the world, but I had a toddler running around. And I found it impossible, really challenging to, you know, haul my toddler into the car, drive there, find a car park, get my toddler into the clinic, have any my treatment while the toddler's running havoc. And I ended up getting back home again and was even more exhausted and sore. So right from then I thought, you know what, there needs to be more access at home. So that's what sort of, that's how Fitness Mama developed because I thought we need to have more access to online workouts and resources to help women in the home. So there you go. That in a nutshell (laughs) is my story. We're going to talk about getting your body ready for pregnancy and we often speak about the 100 days before conception and the importance of diet and lifestyle changes you can make to optimise sperm and egg health. But I don't think we've ever spoken about the physical well-being and what you can be doing to prepare your body before pregnancy. Kath and Raylia, before we talk about getting our bodies ready for pregnancy, could you talk us through what happens to a woman's body whilst she is pregnant? Thinking about your physical health before you even get pregnant is amazing. Like just even having that thought process of how can I best prepare my body for pregnancy, I think that thought in itself means so much because if you can think, okay, what does my body need in order to 
get the most out of my pregnancy and feel great when I'm pregnant and, you know, carry me through my pregnancy with as few issues as possible, then you're really one step ahead because I do feel like we never know how pregnancy is going to transpire and we never know what specific challenges you're going to come up against. But I do feel there are a few few steps that you could consider to help with that. I can tell you also as a professional, I never thought twice about that before trying to have a baby myself. Uh, I never thought about building my physicality in a way that would prepare me for pregnancy as a mother and as an obstetrician gynecologist. (laughs) So I can totally understand how most people don't actually even give it a second thought and are more reactive than proactive about it. Um, Things that I noticed myself, just like you with pelvic girdle kind of discomfort, I actually noticed that I lost a lot of core strength during my pregnancies, especially because I had cesarean deliveries. I think that might have had something to do with it, or maybe it would have happened anyway. But then I noticed that I did load my back a lot afterwards because I lacked that core strength. And even to this day, I work hard to build it back. And I've you know, really noticed as I put effort in that it does make a very big difference to posture. And I'm sure that, you know, in terms of lifting a baby, especially lifting a toddler when you're pregnant for the second time, um, there's a lot of things you can do to make that a lot easier and a lot more effective in terms of the muscle groups that we use and that we probably a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And what you said just then is often when you're trying to conceive, that's what you're thinking about, right? And that's what all I thought about. And then when you're pregnant, the focus is on the childbirth. And it's, and I often say similar thing, when you're pregnant, this is an amazing time to start to think about your afterbirth recovery. You know, what, what do you want to do to really help with that post, I call it postnatal rehab, to get your body strong again after, child, after childbirth? Because really pregnancy and childbirth are nine months, whereas that afterbirth recovery, you know, you want to be feeling strong for the next what, 60, 70 years. So for the rest yep, of your life. Rest so of your life. I, yes, it's great to think about how to prepare your body for pregnancy. But I really think like if we just think about it from a holistic point of view, really, we just want to get ourselves, give our body the chance to be as strong as possible and healthy as possible for the rest of our lives. It's really not just for pregnancy. So for some women, they might be really fit and active before pregnancy. And I guess that's another topic altogether whether or not we need to back off on how much exercise we do. But, you know, for some women, they might actually need to back off on how much they're doing, whereas for other women, they might need to consider what they need to add to their weekly timetable, so to speak. So it's quite interesting and it's certainly not one size fits all, is it? It definitely isn't. I mean, I have a lot of patients ask me what's safe to do in pregnancy in terms of exercise and particularly in in early pregnancy. And I usually say to them, if it doesn't hurt, it's okay. And, you know, if it's something you're used to, you can continue. And to avoid things like high impact sports where you could have a blow to the belly and potentially become injured. But the effects of progesterone on our ligaments in pregnancy particularly can render us a bit more susceptible to Mm. injury. Absolutely. I would say the main I I like to tell all my pregnant women, make sure you're not overheating your body. Uh, Make sure you can always hold a conversation. So that's what we call the talking test. 
So make sure you can hold a conversation because if you're gasping for air, you might be working at a level that's a bit too high. And then I do like to consider lower impact. And I know that's different for everyone because I do know plenty of women that run throughout pregnancy and think it's amazing. Yeah, running's a tricky one. Running's one thing I say, look, if you're happy not to run, don't run, let's substitute it with something else. If you really want to keep running during pregnancy, let's find a way of adapting it so that, you know, we're not overexerting yourself, perhaps avoiding downhills because that's extra forces through the joints. As you say, they might be susceptible to injury and pelvic health, pelvic floor as well. If you're running downhill, it's thought that there's more pressure going through the pelvic floor because of those greater ground reaction forces. I, I love, I think walking's an amazing exercise for pregnancy. It's cheap, it's free, <laughs> um, gets you out into the fresh air. But unfortunately, even walking for some women might stir up pelvic girdle pain or aches and pains. So I guess it doesn't really matter what sort of exercise you do. We just need to know when we need to modify it. So if anything's causing you aches and pains, like so, so often I hear women say, I go for an hour walk during the day and then at night time I have pain. And often I, it's not so much what the issue isn't what's happening at night time, it's what's happening during the day that might be flaring up that pain at night time. So perhaps we need to back off on the walking do some low impact exercises, um, Pilates, whatever it is that works for you. So walking's a tricky one. I love walking, but it's not amazing for some women during pregnancy. Raylia, what is the role of progesterone in pregnancy and how can it impact what exercise you can do? Progesterone really means pro-gestation is, is a word we use for pregnancy. So it's a pro-pregnancy hormone and it's really important in the first trimester if you don't have enough progesterone, you lose a pregnancy. So when we use IVF and we, we want to give high progesterone levels to make a pregnancy stick, um, we give progesterone in a manner of ways. We give it vaginally, we give it through injections and we want a really high level of progesterone in the what we call luteal phase and the luteal placental transformation. So from about 10 weeks onwards, the placenta makes 100% of the progesterone needed to support a pregnancy and the pregnancy is on autopilot. In the first trimester, it starts off as being the follicle, that kind of hormone-making factory that the egg came from on the ovary that makes progesterone in response to pregnancy hormone from the pregnancy. So it's kind of like a call and receive system where the body hears the signal from the pregnancy hormone and responds with kind of progesterone being released in a pulsatile fashion. At the level of the musculoskeletal system, progesterone has the effect of making our ligaments more stretchy and it's one of the hormones that helps us grow and stretch to accommodate a pregnancy. And so because of that effect, which is important, our pelvis does need to expand because the baby's head has to sink into the pelvis and in terms of natural birth has to pass through the pelvis. So we do need to be a bit stretchy. Um, and just as a little bit of a aside, one of the reasons that it's quite, well, quite a lot more common for women as we get older to need cesareans, um, one of the reasons is that our, our muscles and ligaments are not as stretchy. They lose their 
kind of tense our stretchiness as we get older and that can mean that we're less able to accommodate a baby coming through the pelvis. Um, But in terms of effects, it has wide-ranging effects. We think it's really important in delaying labour until the time is right. We think it's really, and we think that it's a very useful treatment in some women to reduce cervical shortening and, and prevent preterm birth. So it's got many, many varied effects. But the reason in terms of exercise that, you know, progesterone makes us a little more susceptible to injury is that laxity of the ligaments. And that laxity, it affects your ligaments in your back. Um, so your when we think of a of someone's core. Traditionally, I think when we thought of your core, people just think of your six-pack muscles. But if you think about the core like a cylinder, so there's the back muscles and ligaments, and then at the bottom, that's at the back of the core. At the bottom of the core, we've got your pelvic floor muscles, and they become stretched during pregnancy because you've got the weight of your baby sitting on your pelvic floor. Then at the front of the core, your cylinder, there's your abdominal muscles and they're obviously getting stretched because of the baby. And then at the top of your core, you've got your diaphragm and that's all pushed out of whack because of your baby sitting on there. So if we think about the core like that cylinder, all four points of that core are affected or, you know, there's some changes that have occurred and that's why pregnant women are more susceptible to injury. In, with those pelvic health and those back back and pelvic girdle pain areas. One thing that women often notice is a bit of rectus muscle separation, particularly after having their baby. Is there anything we can do before pregnancy to prevent that or it's more genetic and to do with the size yeah, of the baby? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, look, there's been, I think, I'm pretty sure there's studies to show 100% of women, pregnant women, will have some degree of diastasis recti. So this is, you might hear it as abdominal muscle separation or diastasis recti, or sometimes people just shorten diastasis rectus abdominis muscle to DRAM. So you might even hear DRAM, I've got a DRAM. There's studies that have shown that pretty much all women do have a diastasis by the end of their pregnancy. So it's totally natural, it's totally normal, and it's really common. There, there are things that are thought we can do during pregnancy to help manage the amount of DRAM. Your diastasis is thought to be impacted by constipation, so that straining on the toilet. So really what we the diastasis is that linear alba, that ligament at the front of your belly, and it becomes stretched as your baby gets bigger. So anything that puts that ligament under load, so any of those forces that go through the abdominal, um, abdominal area are thought to perhaps contribute to DRAM. So there's preventables and there's non-preventables. The preventables, we we can look at avoiding constipation as much as possible, avoiding heavy lifting during pregnancy. Quite often, if I come, sometimes when I used to go to the gym and there'd be, I, I don't tend to go since COVID hit, <laughs> but um, when there were pregnant women at the gym, I'd see them lifting these heavy weights and I'd see a coning or a doming happening while they're lifting their weights. And to me, I say to all the mums inside the membership when we're working out, I say, look, the watch point is make sure there's no coning, make sure there's no doming. Yes, we want to lift weights, but we don't want to lift weights to the jeopardy of that diastasis, that that ligament. So avoiding constipation, avoiding heavy lifting, um, and any of those straining activities 
down. So toddlers is a big one to be aware of, which obviously is tricky if you've got a toddler in the house. And then the non-preventables, as you said, genetics. Um, You can't control if you've got twins and your belly's going to get bigger. Um, Family history. You know, if you've asked your mum if she had a dram and you've got probably got a dram too, it's really amazing how you can see it in the family. I guess one thing we can do with the size of our babies is we've got our genetics and we've got our environment and good control of things like gestational diabetes and even if someone doesn't have gestational diabetes but just making sure we don't have excess nutrition in pregnancy. You want good nutrition, want all the right building blocks to make a healthy baby but if we have excess nutrition in pregnancies, our babies do get bigger. Mm. So I guess that's, you know, I, I always you know, recommend that if anybody's interested in how to optimize nutrition in pregnancy, I so recommend seeing a clinical nutritionist about diet and pregnancy. I think you learn a lot. Uh, even as a medical professional, I, I learn a lot. And in our practice, we have Wendy oh. Fidelli, who has seen so many of my patients and helped her help them so great. much. Um, I'm just about to get her on for my podcast, the Fitness Mama podcast. So I can't wait to, wait to chat to her. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, no, she's she's a wealth of knowledge. Um, Yeah, and then once you've had once you've had the baby, a lot of women do ask me about how to improve their diastasis. And um, when I used to work in hospitals, I'd see women as soon as they'd have the baby, and would often go around and assess their diastasis in the hospital. And if there was one that was on the slightly larger side, I'd give abdominal muscle tubi grip to help with those first six weeks. Look, I don't think there's great evidence for it, but a lot of women that do have a DRAM really like that extra support that some sort of abdominal support can give you. So whether or not that's SRC shorts, um, Solidea, there's lots of brands out there these days. Um, but even my mums that don't have a diastasis or have a very small one after giving birth, I'm always sure to say to them, like, that's great you don't have a diastasis. Um, But that's just telling us that your ligament's not on large stretch. It doesn't actually give us an indication of how strong your muscles are. So you've just had a baby in your tummy. You know, everything's been stretched for nine months. It's amazing you don't have a dram, but we still need to rehab your tummy muscles and your core to get you strong again. Because I do feel that's a bit of a a misguided perception out there that uh, people say, I often hear it, oh, I haven't had a tear and I don't have a dram and so they feel they're ready to get back out to running or something like that. And that's why I've developed a running program, a 12-week return to running program because I really do feel all women, even if they have a dram or they don't have a dram, still need a step-by-step sort of rehab plan because everyone's weak after they've had a baby, everyone. 100%. And that actually leads on quite nicely to something else I was going to ask you about, which is uterine prolapse and vaginal prolapse. Do you think that, I mean, obviously there's a bit of genetics. Again, you know, we can't change our genes, but is there anything that women can do either before pregnancy or after giving birth to reduce their risk of, of having a yes. pelvic floor prolapse? Um, great question, because we don't know how childbirth's going to go and we can't control that. And that's that. But during pregnancy, it's a similar similar sort of situation to what we talked about with the diastasis. We know risk factors for prolapse are constipation, so straining on the toilet. So if you do have any constipation, really speak to your healthcare professional, you know, get whatever you need to help with that side of things. And we could talk about posture and positioning as well. 
um, learning how to relax your pelvic floor on the toilet, really important things there. Um, maintaining a healthy weight is really important as well. Um, getting Also getting onto anything like co- coughs. So if you've got asthma or a chronic cough, you make sure, again, you've spoken to your doctor and you've got all those health conditions sorted. So constipation, weight, being overweight and a cough do put a lot of pressure down the pelvic on the pelvic floor. And once you've had a baby, the last thing you do want to be doing is straining on the toilet, for example. We really want that area to rest and heal as much as possible. The prolapse is, it's not just about pelvic floor muscles. So the pelvic floor muscles are, response, are partly responsible for holding up the organs inside your pelvis, but there's also fascia and connective tissue that, you know, help with the um, bladder support and the bowel support. So during childbirth, I love, I love this analogy, <laughs> during childbirth, everything's been stretched like an elastic band. And we want as much of that natural recoil to occur as much as possible. And that natural recoil really happens with rest. And that's why I do feel in those early few weeks, rest, rest, rest is so amazingly important. So avoiding the constipation, avoiding heavy lifting, avoiding anything that creates those downward forces and even gravity so being upright and standing and doing lots of walking in those first few weeks they're all putting extra gravitational forces through those that area so if we think about that elastic band we want that natural recoil to occur as possible so lots of horizontal rest even if it's five minute bursts getting as much weight as possible off those organs and off the pelvic floor I think that's amazing and it's a really simple one that newborn new mums can do theoretically (laughs) unless they've got a toddler running around do you have any any tips Kath for those with a toddler what can we do Mm. Um, because it's a really common scenario that we have our children Mm. relatively close together these days are there any tips for a new mum with a toddler when you're still pregnant for not lifting up your toddler So get you and your partner on board, do the same strategy. So it sounds harsh when I say that, but no lifting doesn't mean no cuddles. So you can still have lots of cuddles, just sit down on a couch to cuddle or get your toddler to climb up onto a chair and you can cuddle them then. So that would be number one is when you're pregnant, brainstorm with your partner all the different reasons why you're having to pick up your toddler and then try to cut out as many as possible. So whether or not that's getting some steps around the house that you can move, so from the bathroom, you know, getting in and out of the bath, change table, to get them up as high as possible so that lessens the load. Because the last thing you want to do is to be bringing home a newborn baby and then saying to your toddler, sorry, hun, I can't pick you up anymore because I've got this newborn baby in the house. <laughs> so I think it's nicer for the toddler to for everyone to get into the habit of that during pregnancy and getting your partner on board as well because you don't want one playing favorites where you're pregnant so you can't lift up your toddler but your partner does. I think if everyone's on the same page it's it's nicer for toddler and it's good for you during your pregnancy too to not have to be lifting so much as well. And the second tip would be don't leave the house <laughs> and I think COVID's been amazing for that <laughs> COVID's been good for that <laughs> and I say that and some people probably listen to me thinking I've got no idea but I really do think and I've 
I'm talking partly from personal experience here. My After my first baby, I was probably one of the first of my friends to have a baby. So they'd say, let's go to a cafe or let's meet here. And I'd say, great idea. You know, I wanted to show off my newborn baby. I was proud. I was excited. I felt great. So I ended up doing too much, you know, walking too much. And by the afternoon, I suddenly, one day I had pelvic heaviness and I suddenly thought, oh my gosh, I've got symptoms of pelvic organ prolapse that hit in the afternoon. And I, luckily I was able to identify those symptoms and I changed things around quick smart and I started doing more horizontal rest, you know, less walking and symptoms luckily went away pretty quickly. I do wonder, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, Raylia, but I feel sometimes women who have a cesarean, they're told by their doctors not to drive, they're told by their doctors not to lift anything heavier than their newborn, and I think that's great because they, they do it. They don't lift anything. And because you can't drive, suddenly you can't, you're not hauling your pram and in and out of the car. That pram can weigh a lot. And because you can't drive, you're therefore not hauling your pram in, you're not driving somewhere, spending all day on your feet or sitting up, coming home again, getting your pram back out of the car or your capsule back out of the car. I think recovery sometimes is easier, whereas, well, not easier, but in terms of sometimes after vaginal delivery, because women aren't given those guidelines, they end up doing too much. You know, they, they're using getting a pram capsule in and out of the car. Yeah, and I do sometimes wonder whether if women that had a vaginal delivery just backed off a little bit and then wonder whether symptoms would be better. Mm, that's really sage advice. No, I think I think that makes sense. I, I think, I, you know, a lot of people I think would find it hard to never leave the house, but certainly yeah. giving yourself permission to stay there. Yeah, that's right. And it's about giving not. yourself permission, I think. And... And so with my second pregnancy and then my, oh, sorry, with my second and then third, my um, recovery after my third child was better than after my first and second. And I really do put it down to the fact that I gave myself permission to do very little in those first six weeks. It's such a full-time job looking after a newborn. I think that needs to be acknowledged. And we do try to be super women out at our cafes and out and about in our our leisure wear. We don't have to. We can stay home. We can we can chill with the yeah. bum until our bodies recover. And I guess that takes me on to the whole postnatal rehab side. Like if we had, uh, if you were playing football and you had an injury, an ACL injury, you'd have to have surgery, right? And what would happen after that surgery? You would have a period of rest. Then you would have a period of rehab. You'd start some gentle strength exercises. Eventually you'd start you know, a really light training session. And then eventually when you're strong enough, you might do a quarter match competitively and then a half match and then a full match. Whereas women after childbirth, you know, two weeks after giving birth, the partner has no more parental leave. So you're back at the supermarket pushing a trolley with one hand and holding a toddler with the other. (laughs) Like it's, yeah, I don't feel women generally, we, I don't feel we, pay attention to that postnatal rehab and think of it think of it like rehab whereas footy injuries sure we're great at rehabbing footy injuries and I really do feel women we deserve it too our body has been through so much more than an ACL injury (laughs) in my opinion 
hundred percent. And actually, I've actually just written a paper with one of my students um, at Melbourne Uni about kind of disparities in parental leave across the genders as one point in the paper. Our society needs to value motherhood and value what women go through so much more than it currently does. And it's not until we recognize that and rectify it that women will have the support that they truly need in terms of recovering from having a baby. We can now not leave the home and engage in pelvic floor rehab and and full body rehab after pregnancy. Tell us how our listeners can find you and what your program can offer. So you can find me at Fitnessed Mama. So that's F-I-T-N-E-S-T-M-A-M-A. So that's Instagram and Facebook, um, www.fitnessedmama.com. I do have a free, it's sort of like a mini pelvic floor and core masterclass, um, which takes you through, it really takes you through the few steps that I think are important to helping you have a healthy pregnancy, confident childbirth and strong afterbirth recovery. So that's at fitnessmama.com forward slash free. Um, and otherwise my membership, it's it's got everything I wish I'd had when I was pregnant and a new mum. <laughs> so it's got pregnancy workouts that are safe for pregnancy. They're low impact. There's options for you if you've got pelvic girdle pain. They're ones that you can do at home when you're toddlers running around you can choose to do 10 minutes or half an hour whatever suits you and there's also workouts for if you're feeling really gross I know a lot of pregnant women might have morning sickness or feeling really tired so I always say to my mums I want you to feel great after doing one of my workouts I want you to feel rejuvenated and reinvigorated not exhausted not sore not tired so there's the pregnancy workouts, there's resources for childbirth, such as perineal, learning how to do perineal massage, active birth techniques, how to use a TENS machine, all those sorts of things. And then there's the afterbirth recovery. And I step you through your pelvic floor rehab, abdominal muscle rehab, and get you back to doing what you love with a bubba by your side. <laughs> it sounds like a wonderful resource. Yeah, thank you. It's It's been fun. And I think the best thing is meeting so many amazing women. And there's just such a great community where women really do cheer them, cheer each other on. Um, we've got a private community and it's just like I, I work clinically still. I still see women face to face, but I do have to say there's something special about an online community, which I think if you'd asked me a few years ago, I would have said, nah, you can't really have it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I think times have changed and an online community is real like it's amazing thank you so much for joining us today kath wonderful advice for mums to be and mums absolute pleasure thank you geordie thank you Raylia. to support knocked up leave us a review or recommend to a friend join us on instagram at knocked up podcast and join Raylia at dr Raylia lou and email us your questions to podcast at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au 